Now we're live. Okay, so now we're not talking about anything else. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> uh, the things that get discussed in the pre-pre-show. No, Russ has something to discuss. Uh, All I have to do is donate $100 a month to be via Patreon, and we'll let you in on it. Russ has something to discuss about the NFL, but probably not the Bills because, Pete, I think that the Bills are borderline uh, arena football quality this year. But go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. We were we were all uh, – there was 125 of us watching him here Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Well, there's, no, a lot of, there's, there's a lot of transplanted Buffalonians uh, th throughout throughout the, the nation because they couldn't find jobs in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, the, the issue is lately – and I don't blame the NFL players. Lately, they are fighting back against sort of like the hand that feeds them. The they're they're basically when people are tweeting to NFL players' accounts saying, "Hey, you only got like 90 yards in this game, which got me six points in my fantasy league, and I needed <laughs> nine." The NFL players are now striking back against that. So here's one. This is the best one I think from Golden Tate. Golden Tate wrote. Dear, this is a guy named Jamison Kendall. He he tweeted, he tweeted, I needed nine points going into this game, and you only got six and a half. You're no longer my favorite serial or my wide receiver one. And he writes, Jamison, this is the real world, and the Lions won. That's all that matters. Have a great night. Sincerely, Golden. <laughs> Golden, a good Nashville guy. Yeah. And, you know, it's just – like I get it, I and 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 he's not the only player. There's other players that that basically now are are fighting back because people are really going over the line because fantasy's tied into money, and when they lose money, they get upset, and now they're tweeting at players. And I just I, I don't understand the mentality of it. I don't understand well, either. I, I, it, well, you know what it is, and it's interesting because um, actually a service I, you know, if you're if you have a high school um, sports team service that I provide for people in the area, in our area at least, is to go to high schools and talk to the athletes about social media and about like the uh, the issues of like getting involved in social media and how you should communicate. Because actually, there's a lot of kids who lately, and I, what I've heard here is um, a lot of. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. The username thing—I just got thrown by that. A lot. What, what, what's happening around here lately is um, a lot of kids are going for scholarships, and the, the schools that are looking at them for scholarships oh, yeah. are going into their social media threads and okay. they're going into their, you know, their Facebook and their mainly their Instagrams or Snap, Snapchats are gone. That's why Snapchat is so much better for them, but um, still not great because everything can be saved on Snapchat, and all you need is one enemy out there who follows you. Um, to, to send to some school, like, look at this picture of her or him doing this particular cool. thing. And now your scholarship is, I mean, so the whole, I, I do this talk for free around the, around the um, Pennsylvania area around here just to try to, like, warn people about this because well, it's a really dangerous thing. Well, Good just, idea. Well, just, just, get, just getting back to the fantasy football aspect of this, okay, I, have pl I played fantasy football from the time that, calculating st stats was getting the newspaper on Monday and, and, and not, it wasn't yardage. It was just scoring. And it was, so I played fantasy football and was commissioner of a fantasy football league for, you know, a couple decades, five years ago, I quit. 
I was done because and because it's just so pervasive now. Yeah. And, and it's 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 not really fun anymore. And with with the services that are out there, you know, two yards one way or the other costs you the game, which is which is in, infuriating. And this this little interaction that Russ was talking about is an example of this. A friend of mine has a saying regarding fantasy football. You know, the only person who's interested in your fantasy football team, you and maybe the play, person you're playing against. Nobody else cares, especially not the player. They're playing a game. They're not worrying how many damn points they get on CBS Sports Here's Line. One more tweet. Here's one more tweet from LeGarrette Blunt, who really didn't get enough carries with the Eagles, so you can't blame him for having a bad game. And, and basically he, he just tweeted out, I really could care less about y'all fantasy teams Get out of my mentions with that, and then then he cursed. Yeah, and I, I used I used to I used to have take pride in in like being knowledgeable about sports and, and fantasy football and being able to win because it showed that I had some connection to it. But now, it, really, it's not. It's all. It's really all luck. It's so many. There's so many injuries in football that you could draft the best team in the world, and by week three, three your team sucks because they're all on IR. So I, I don't care. It's 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 it really, and, and and Peter, I don't know about you because I I was a very very big Bills fan back in the day. Right. I to now I mean I'll watch the game to get together with friends. It doesn't mean as much to me anymore. I'm a f hockey and baseball person a lot more than I used to be a football person because the NFL and the Bills and their you know the way they played the last twenty years, <laughs> it's just beating me into the ground. It's kind of like what it was like when I started covering the team. Lou Saban was back his second term as head coach. He resigned after a two and three start and turned the team over to Jim Ringo. And Jim finished out that year losing everything. And then he coached again the next year. Uh, it all goes to the top of the organization and their responsibilities for all of that. And sometimes it's very difficult to dig your way out of it. But I, I have to say I truly enjoyed being Western York's bartender for many years, uh, hosting the Bills postgame show on WBEN and later on WGR because, I, I in a way, I was kind of like May Dame Sam Malone there, just trying to calm him That's down. Awesome. And, and I had a Cliff Clavin that would sit right next to me in the studio. <laughs> and you were fighting off the women. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I think I, I think I called you back in the day, Pete. So, um, you know, it's, well, there's a couple things. You weren't Mike. You weren't Mike from Aurora. No, Mike from Chickawaga. Oh, okay. Chickawaga. Okay. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, no, I, football is fascinating to me because I, I've never, I've been a big enough fan. Like I grew up going to Delaware football college games, and I love that. I became friends with some of the Delaware players who went on to like, like Rich Gannon, who went on to you know. Yeah. But um, hey, I, uh, Raymond. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Dave Raymond and oh, Tubby, 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 you know, and then and then of course you know yeah. you know his son was the first yeah. fanatic, which is a right. great. And now then created Bird Zerk. Right, 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 right. Very good. Wow, Pete, you are phenomenal. I, I mean, <laughs> you're. I mean, that's something that's just insane. I mean, uh, your your limit, your knowledge of sports are just in, I'm unreal. Um, all right, so football though is part of the. It's such a part of the culture. Like you feel, if you don't follow the team in your area, it's equivalent to not watching Game of Thrones. Like you're like you're completely, <laughs> you know. People are so pissed off at you for not doing it. They can't talk about it. And you know, and I find myself listening to the local sports radio not because I care about the Eagles, but just because I care about the reaction of people. Like I love the sociology of the drama of the reaction of people to football. Does, that does, is that, does, does that mean that Kim Pagula is the mother of dragons? 
Yeah, and then winter is Might coming. Well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, so that's like uh, ridiculous, right? You're missing. So I've, I I've seen one. I didn't like it. That was it for me. Yeah. I'd rather spend time on the throne. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why my wife, my wife and I have that and Lost that we haven't seen either of, and that we are going to do like in our in our retirement, like as you know, as old people, we will sit it's there. It's on and, Netflix. Uh, you can watch all seven seasons. Oh, I know, and we will, and we will. There will come a time when we will do that. We will like. We will I, I'm gonna that. I'm gonna caution you not to watch Lost. I watched it all, oh. and I'm telling you, it's sort I of. I know like, the ending is frustrating. No, it's not even the end. Nobody knows the ending. Nobody even knows the whole friggin' show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it, it is a bottomless pit. That's what I'm saying. I love the show. I went back and started watching West Wing, which is a great Yeah, that's show. what we're doing. Are you doing and I are watching that. We're into season five right now. She had okay. seen it all. I had never watched it. Yes. I am really into it. And uh, then I'll give you one other thing to give a little yeah. bit of respite from today's political strife. Go on YouTube and type in the search Trump Beatles. Trump oh, Beatles. Beatles. All right, I will do that. Because two of the members of that Fab Four, if you will, are sons of a good friend of mine, Mike Rosigliano, longtime cartoonist for the Buffalo Courier Express, which, by the way, 35 years ago today, today published its last edition. And Mike is the father of two of them, and it's absolutely brilliant. I'll, oh. just, give you the, I'll just give you the title of one song, and it's using old Beatles melodies. Right. And the, the top song, I think, is uh, How Dumb's My Son. But there's also... <laughs> There's also I want to grow my hands. Oh my god! And then right, there's one called like, dating my daughter. Speaking from, just, speaking from another state that went Trump, Pete, I totally appreciate this. Um, and uh, just just and, uh, just, know, one, I, just, I just one just just one Courier Express question for for Pete. Didn't didn't Larry Felzer write for the Courier Express before? And the, but then he went to the Buffalo News. Yes, he started with the Courier Express exactly. Yeah, Larry, Larry Felzer. I want to hear Hey Lude. I think that would be good. Um, hey Lude. <laughs> <laughs> what Beatles, Beatles songs, you know? That Ellen or Rigby, it's Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, right, right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that can work. Oh, man, there's a, this This is something my son will absolutely – I appreciate you've basically given us a week, a week's worth of things to watch now, Pete, because my son is a huge Beatles fan and a huge fan of anything oh. – they're going to perform. They're going to perform in Baltimore yeah. in two weekends' time. Oh wow, wow! In Baltimore, that was, I, we got to check this out. I will check it out for sure, Pete. I will. Yeah, Baltimore's it. not far from me. I have to think about that. Because yeah. Rasig first went to the Baltimore Sun, and they've stayed there. <laughs> wow, I can't see it. I can't. That's great. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to check that out for sure. Good tip. So yeah, I'm only in season two of West Wing. I never watched either. Um, but but for those I, of you guys who were fans of West Wing, and a lot of people might not know this show, but you do have to check out Sports Night, which was I, like the, no, I didn't like Sports no, Night. I, I, honestly, honestly, how could you not like Sports Night? I didn't like it. I'm a I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan, in spite of in spite of my political leanings, and I thought the West Wing was brilliant. The West Wing but, is is amazing, but Sports Night was really fun. Yeah, and uh, I did. I did. Uh, honestly, I mean, come on, it's not. Honestly, I, I thought the other, other series that he did, the, the newsroom was excellent. I didn't even yes. watch the newsroom. I tried the newsroom. Didn't like it. The newsroom was excellent, and actually, the one that got canceled uh, on NBC was uh, called Studio Sixty at the Sunset Strip. Was oh was yeah, phenomenal. And they canceled it after one year because the show cost too much. Studio Sixty, I'll check that out. Now. Yeah, um, it's, newsroom. Though everyone needs to watch the first episode of New Newsroom. The oh yes, the speech at the end of the first episode of Newsroom is something that I think every journalist should be required to to watch. 
Anybody grew up when I did to see the all the guys, the Edward R. Murrows, the uh, yeah. the Chet Huntleys on the open, phenomenal. Yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, and it, they they ended it a good time to end it too. It was it was so was so good on it. That show was so crazy good. We have we have really like a lack of good shows right now, Al. I think so. Anyway, let's move oh, on. I, uh, I disagree. There's some good ones out there. Well, besides, I mean, Game of Thrones, obviously. No, no, no. I mean, there's Veep there's is some... like crazy good. Veep Which is good. Veep is really good. Veep yeah, Veep is good. Veep is fantastic. West Westworld on HBO. Ray West Donovan on Showtime is good. I. I went into that thinking, I'm not going to watch this. I love the yeah. movie. Why am I even bothering? And it was really good. So for those of you keeping track of when we started to talk hockey, it was 1.16 p.m. Here we go. <laughs> I'll just, we'll do, well, I'll introduce Pete after everything. Right. Okay, here we go, right? Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, September 19th, 2017. I'm King of the Dragons, Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And winter is coming. I mean, the season is coming. I am Eklund from HockeyBuzz.com, and I don't even never watch Game of Thrones, so I don't even know what that means, but I've heard it enough times, so that's the whole point of it. Um, and we're joined today by one of my absolute favorite people in all of the sport, and I've said this every time he's on the air. He's incredible, Mr. Peter Weber from Nashville. How are you, Pete? I'm doing very well. All set up upstairs at my broadcast location. We did not have a rain out, but I've got a doubleheader hockey games to call here today. Wow. Really? Nice. Nice. I love it. I love yep. it. Well, the Peter, pretty cool. Let, let's just say this. Be prepared to call, be calling lots of face-off violations yes. and slashing calls because we got that last night in ridiculous amounts. So what, are yeah, you, well, what are you actually doing, Pete? What, what games are going on there? So we have uh, Florida and Predators split squad. So two different rosters playing one at 430 awesome. and the other at 8. And then uh, this is the fourth uh, consecutive year these two teams have done that. So uh, that, it's accelerated evaluation. Such a great idea. I mean, yeah, that's great. You know what I, I, I wanted to get in on, and the Flyers aren't holding one. If they were, I wanted to do it because I wanted to do stories. Um, are you following this other thing that's happening there where they're having holding open tryouts for your emergency goalies? Yes. Yes. So instead of the guys who paint the masks, right. they're actually going to go after it in this fashion. I like that. I think it's awesome. And I, I really, I would like, I mean, and you know, I would never make it. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, if I did make it, I would die on the ice from a heart attack. <laughs> my blood pressure is too high. But I absolutely want to go to a tryout. I want, you know, the fire, I, I just, they're hoping you're holding these open, open tryouts. Eck wants to do a George Plimpton, basically. George Plimpton with the Bruins. That was yeah. open net, right? That was the name of the book. There's nothing like, I mean, I mean, just, I got it. I really want the Flyers to do it. I'm pushing for them to do it just so I can do a story about it, just have fun with it, you know, and everything. Because yeah. the Flyers have a guy here, of course, they have the guy who did all these, was very famous last year, um, the guy who went to Temple University. Yes, yes. I forget his name. He played for the Blackhawks once when they were, he was the backup for the Blackhawks here, but then was the backup for the Flyers here. So anyway, yeah, so some teams are holding that. If they're holding it in your area and you're doing it, let me know. I'd like to hear a story about that. Okay. For sure. Um, all right, so you get two games. In That's so much fun. That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, there's nothing like sitting back. and I, I, That's what I miss about, like, the Olympics and the World Cup of Hockey so much was just sitting there for a couple games in hockey is really a great thing. It's just a wonderful yes, it is. thing. No, no, but we got to get, get back on subject with, with the games and the penalties because this is right now the outrage in, in the hockey world. Yeah. Here's the first, the first thing I took out of it is, like, when I, I was watching Rangers-Islanders, they're, like, just the swinging of the stick, if you made any kind of incidental contact with a player, they called a slash. I think they called, like, eight slashing penalties. Right. Or three last night. Yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But I will tell you that 
this happens a lot of preseasons, and I think people forget that the NHL is always trying rules enforcements and different things as preseason goes on. And then when the games get a little more serious, like the last preseason game or two, a lot of times these things start to wane and they don't even make their way into the regular season. So it's hard for me to get upset. I, I guess the, the biggest one is if Jimmy Hayes plays another game and gets another three or four penalties, he might get cut just because of this, and that would be bad. But other than that, I don't get too worked up about it, to be honest. We were told at the league meetings uh, a week ago that this was going to be the point of emphasis, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And uh, and that that we are, so I already have written slashing eight times on my score sheet <laughs> for the first game today. Yeah. I'll just assign the times and the players later on. Well, 112 penalties called last night in seven preseason games. Well, um, it, well there were an eight of them, Ak, eight slashing okay. Uh, slashing and face-off violation calls were in yeah. the Toronto Ottawa game to the point that I think Dominic I think Dominic Moore got called for two of them and I know for sure it was one but on the face-offs if the player you know the player has to have their two the two skates behind the red line even after the puck is dropped if the player's first move is to lift the stick and go with his skate into the into the into the dot and knock the stick back, he gets thrown out. And if it happens again, they call the two minute penalty. I mean, yeah. Pete, unless you're prepared for four hour games, unless you want every every hockey game to be right. Red Sox Yankees, if they do <laughs> this, and it's going to be that if they do this, it's ridiculous. It would be like Kings Flyers were back in the late 70s, early right. 80s. I went to one of those in the spectrum. Um, I mean, look, Mark Messier cheated on three quarters of his face-offs for his entire career. He did. Yep. Uh, Jay Wells. Jay Wells. Kevin Hayes of the Rangers doesn't even take a face-off. He does what Mike does, yeah. Mike talked about, and because of his size, tries to win it after the fact. I get it if it's blatant like that because a guy like Hayes should actually try and win a face-off the right way. But at some point, how long are you going to wait to drop the puck or wait for these guys to be perfectly set up? Like It is going to just add time to the game. Coming out of the lockout. That's what I like. When we came out of the lockout, you get in there and be ready because we're dropping the puck. That's what I like, too. We don't care what happens. That's what I loved. And then my first year working with Bob Miller in L.A., 1978, they decided they were going to try something new. The linesmen were not going to drop the puck. They placed it in the dot, backed out, and then blew the whistle. It became a lacrosse scrum. I saw this done, in, and they did that for the first two weeks. I saw this done in youth hockey one time, and I was amazed by it. And it's kind of a, it is kind of strange. I mean, I personally, being having the old Bobby Hall rod hockey game, would yeah. like, would like the uh, would like the puck to be dropped from a from a big thing that hangs over the arena. <laughs> yeah, put the puck no, on top of it, roll down slowly, and then drop on. I think that would be great. Don't but, don't don't you remember the old street hockey rule where you had the ball placed <laughs> on the ground and you would tap sticks once, yeah. tap sticks twice, and then go the third time. Imagine. Yeah. You would do that. What Pete's talking about, though, is the equivalent of the XFL when they yeah. the ball in midfield and just said, go get it. <laughs> yes. And he oh, hate me. Didn't get it all the time. Right. It's funny because we talk about rule changes. It's like a rugby scrum. That's what it was. That reminds me of my favorite Eric Duhashik rule change ever. We did, I did a show one time, the Cranky Hockey Writer Show with um, Duhashik <laughs> and Allen. And um, Duhashik had this brilliant idea for, for, um, for the shootout competition that they're on the blue line, blue line furthest from the net. There would be a defender that was allowed to chase the guy. So they blow the whistle, <laughs> and the guy, the center, the center ice guy would be, he would be ahead of him, but the defender would chase him from the blue line behind him, which I thought would be phenomenal and would really like it would make it so you couldn't come in slowly. You had to, you had to be aware of this guy behind you. Yeah. Open up a whole other level for like really fast defenders to be valuable. 
So that, and yeah, highly entertaining, I think. I think incredibly entertaining. I don't know why that was never considered. Yeah. No, no. Let me just ask one last question on this, yeah. Pete. The, the thing is, we saw coming out of the lockout in 0506 the emphasis on eliminating interference and how it opened up the game and how smaller yeah. players were allowed to free wheel and and thrive in that in that environment. And then as we went along, that sort of dissipated. I think if they eliminated slashing the way they're trying to call it right now, it would have a similar effect. But I just don't see the league like being that like vehement about yeah. calling these calls. And right now, all they're doing is sending a message. And you know, maybe you'll see one call a game, and that could make the difference. But I don't think that this is going to be some sort of trend. I don't think it will be either. Uh, all of us have seen various forms of emphasis that got dropped after yeah. a period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they got to try. I think they have to give it a shot. I, I don't think that slashing is terrible in the league, and I think that that's Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's worth giving it a shot. I really do. I don't. There's no real reason for it. I mean, you know, it does change your strategy. You are taught to get a stick on a guy. You know, that is taught from a from a youth hockey point of view to get a stick on a guy. But that always has been the case. And and you know, and they changed that as well. People got people got used to it. You know, you can get used to it. I think it's worth. I that's what preseason's for. I know it's a pain in the neck to watch, and it really does look on the game. But I, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth giving it a shot. To I don't think it's someone. worth it because I think when I saw it happening most, I would say, and, and look, the Islanders probably wish it never happened because they were something like over seven or over eight on the power play, right? So yeah, yeah, they wish it never happened. But on a on a bunch of them, it's literally a guy just reaching his stick over, trying to knock the other stick. So he can get it off, get the puck off his stick. It wasn't necessarily a slash like, "Hey, I'm just slashing to break your stick to get the puck." Those should always mm -hmm. get called. And in the composite era, we see a lot of sticks get broken. I think anytime a stick gets broken, call it. But a lot of times, a guy is trying to legitimately reach over, and if he happens to clip your hand a little, it's like, "You really going to call that every time? Come on." I mean, do you think? Has anybody think just playing devil's advocate? Does anybody think at all? that some of these penalties like the face-off interaction should be one-minute penalties. Like, I thought about that when I'm watching it. Like, th it seems like there's different levels. I mean, and I know that we can get crazy with one, two, and five, but I think there are some penalties. It feels to me like away from the puck or away from non-scoring non opportunities could be one-minute penalties. I, I, I don't yeah, I, I don't believe in the one-minute penalty. I'm I'm actually going the other way. I believe in the two-minute major. I believe in having a two-minute penalty, uh, you know – having it and then yeah. if, even if the team scores a goal having that penalty continue yeah. because we need more goal scoring in this in this league go back to the 50s on that absolutely the canadians yeah. and their effectiveness of the power play <laughs> changed that sure. but yeah. I, I, the other thing i would like to see and sparky anderson of all people brought <laughs> this up a couple of years ago at the canadian baseball hall of fame in st mary's ontario and he go he calls over to crispy hey hockey guy that's how well he knew terry <laughs> <laughs> Why is it that when a team is penalized, they're allowed to ice the puck? Yeah. I you know. That's, yep. <laughs> I've always wondered. I mean, I, I do like that. I do like the icing because I think it's part of the rhythm, rhythm of the game. I know, you know, they, there's that certain thing that the fans, that's a cheering moment for the fans. You know, I like that too. Like, yeah. I think that that's part of the, but I do get it that it, maybe you shouldn't be allowed to, or maybe you, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm honestly not a big fan of this rule. They, this rule change where you can't call a timeout, you know, after after yeah. icings, because I thought that was actually one of the better, cooler strategies in the game. So I, I mean, I would I would undo the Montreal rule, and Pete, I would even consider, and maybe I'm, I think I'm right on this. 
What's that? Wasn't it wasn't it a reaction to the Edmonton Oilers in the in, in the early '80s that they eliminated like the coincidental minor making it a four on three? Yes. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Oilers with with Gretzky and Curry had wanted the wanted more ice. Honestly, I think you know maybe you'd have that reaction again, but I think that going to more four on three power plays during regulation or three on threes if you have coincidental minors, I think that would be phenomenal. See, I did too. Open it up. No, yeah. but here's the thing, and and Pete alluded to it. I forget. I think it was two or three years ago when the NHL just decided in general to call more more penalties, and it happened in the regular season, and, and the power plays went up like something like 30%. Yeah. I don't like that because I think they're just trying to artific- – I don't like when sports artificially tweak the sport to get more scoring. We're seeing it in baseball with the baseball. This yeah. is hockey's way of doing it by calling more penalties. All basically, Basically what happens is that the NHL ops – looked at what were the most infractions not called last year. They decided that these are probably the two, and now they're going to get, you know, they're going to hold it to the to the letter of the law so that teams get two or three more power plays a game. But I don't like that. Is I there don't... any way to soup up the puck? <laughs> <laughs> the rabbit puck? <laughs> no, no, no. There is there is a way, though, you know, to, to make you it. To make the up. ice more bouncy. I'm, I yeah, know in, in, Instead of getting the pucks from the Czech Republic, let's get them from Slovakia. They're much more yeah. bouncy. Yeah, then you then you'd have, then you wouldn't have to have the um you know the escrow if you save all that money on pucks. Um, all right, let's <laughs> let's move on to the pre- predators because I wanted because I know Pete has a limited amount of time and I really want to make sure we get to talk about the national predators as much as possible today. Um, Downstairs, right, just about now, they're announcing the new captain. Oh wow! Are they really? Wow. Okay, cool. Well, let us know if you hear anything. I will. All right, so um, the predators last year, quick stats, uh, obviously finished fourth in the division. Uh, they, excuse me, they've just named Roman Yossi captain. Roman Yossi. Not shocking. There you go. Beautiful. You're very good first, as it happens. Well deserved. deserved. Makes sense. I love it. I love that. It's a great, great call. Um, All right. So the team's regular season stats, which feel kind of meaningless. Um, (laughs) Goals per game, they were 11th. Uh, Goals against per game, they were 15th, which is really surprising to me. That's the number that really shocked me when I went through this. Being middle of the road, because this is a team that's so good defensively, usually. Um, 16th power play, 15th penalty kill. So not that great. But a really young forward group um, still, and, um, and a young team in general. Uh, the average, the 20-man roster, according to at least rosterresource.com, which we like to go with, um, is 27.1 years old, which is, I think, the youngest that we've done so far. Um, I mean, I think there are maybe some younger teams out there, but that's the youngest I can remember. Um, yep. and, well, the reason, uh, I think, for those stats for the full season. Yeah. The, yeah. the, team, the team really wasn't healthy and all together until the end of January. Yeah. And, and and that was a big part of that because October was just abysmal, particularly yeah. with all of the hype that preceded the team coming into the season. Now, October was wake up uh, to the right. fan base and to the, the, the hockey team. Yeah. No, and it, it was it was a crazy beginning. I really, you know, it was a really frustrating beginning. Um, Pekka Rene, people were start questioning whether or not he had hit his wall. He was over the hill. And then, of course, everything turns around. But I do have to bring up, of course, again, my prediction in the beginning of the year that the Predators could make the playoffs barely and go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, which I did. Of course you did. I have to bring that up, sorry, because that was my thing. I could see them making the playoffs barely but going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, the last crazy stat before I want to get a question, Pete, the, this, this was – so I've been doing sort of the nationalities of teams this year because I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. And of the 20 guys on their main roster, according to this at least, which is, you know, that's hard to tell, a staggering eight. North Americans and twelve yep. from elsewhere, which is really a lot. That that is um, 
that's a ton. Minnesota is actually the only other team that we've done that's kind of close to that in terms of lack of North Americans. Um, Lucas Bergman is a big reason for that, the yeah. number one scout in Sweden. Tommy Bergman, if you recall him from the 70s and the 60s with the Detroit Red Wings, uh, he is the reason for much of that success. Makes a ton of sense. And, um, and you know, five Swedes in the, in the, in the regular, um, considered according to this, five Swedes, um, which is a great number um, of Swedes. And then, you know, they were looking a little bit like the Red Wings of old there, you know, with that number. Um, yes. That was and, Stockholm West. Yeah. yeah, and three Swiss players, which is really, really rare. Um, the only and a Swiss team. captain. And a Swiss captain now. Yeah, there you go. And one of those players is the guy I want to talk about first because he was my favorite player last year for the Preds, and actually his injury, I still believe to this day, was the was the reason they didn't win the Stanley Cup um, in Kevin Fiala. Um, yeah. He really, I thought last year, just looked unbelievable to me. He was. And, and this was a guy who had to overcome needing to – Bounce from Milwaukee to Nashville back and forth several times. But when he got hurt in that series against St. Louis, he had been on his game for roughly six, seven weeks. Yeah. And uh, greatly trusted by Peter Laviolette. You know how he is. If he doesn't trust you, you don't get top six minutes. Uh, yeah. Well, he was definitely getting the top six minutes here. And scoring huge goals too, um, just yep. just just real a real a real um, big goal in the in the Chicago was it an overtime goal in Chicago or game, something? Game three, Chicago overtime. Right. Just had a knack for the neck in a way that kind of reminded me a little bit of Danny Breer, you know, and just his, his ability, yes. you know, his speed, his size, and his ability to just sort of be in the right place at the right time in key moments. Um, I was really upset with it. I still think that I still thought the, that his injury could have been disciplinary. We could talk about that until we're in the face, and everybody has a different opinion on that. Yeah. I know. But, I still feel like he could have he could have held up a little bit on that more than he did, but that and of course Ryan Johansson, who you know the injury to Ryan Johansson, and yet still this team was in was within one game of going to a game seven. Yeah, so um, Colton Sissons, who had been scratched frequently going yeah. into the last month of the year, all of a sudden stood in for Ryan Johansson, and he has a hat trick in the clinching game against Anaheim. That was unbelievable. That that game, there were so many moments. I'm I'm sure there's a. Did they, did they do a, did they do a DVD of the season last year, Pete? Like uh, a, no, not that I have seen yet. Not that I have seen. Oh my gosh, you got to get on that. Well, that. I mean, that that season was such a storybook type season, and all the things and, and the heroes rising at at the right times. Um, yeah. You know, and gosh, I mean, Pekka Rene coming off of a you know marginal season to almost you know be considered you know you know as, as the top player in the playoffs could have if, if the Predators win that thing. So. Well, let, let me ask let me ask Pete a question because I mean we know James Neal goes to Vegas and in, in, yeah. in the expansion draft they they sign Nick Benino they bring back Scott Hartnell um, Ryan Ellis will be out an indetermined amount of time with his, uh, yeah. the, his recovery from his injury they bring in Alexi Emel in, uh, in a trade from Vegas I mean these are significant moves I mean, I mean and I'm sure that Laviolette is hoping that they don't get off to the slow start that they did last year, but coming off the Stanley Cup final, the, the hangover is is always a possibility. How impactful do you think these changes are going to be to their roster? Well, I, and also uh, the loss of uh, and the trade of Colin Wilson yes. to Colorado, that essentially freed up the money to sign Nick Benino right. for them here. It has pretty comparable sums right there. So <clears throat> with Nick Benino, I think it comes down to if you can't beat him, sign him. And that's what they did. They brought him in from Pittsburgh, and this was even before they knew uh, 
for sure that Mike Fisher was going to retire. Mm-hmm. And I was I was among those who thought he actually was going to come back for a year. So I didn't do a real good job with that. But I think that the changes this team is kind of similar to a year ago. And the team got off, I thought, to a slow start because guys were in roles to which they were not previously accustomed. So Mike Fisher started out well, but then again, he had to be the captain that Shea Weber had been for a number of years here. Right, so right. there'll be a change. There'll be a change there also. Um, then when you have Fisher retire, there's one guy of the rotation, James Neal leaves. It's kind of like what happened last summer when all of a sudden you had the trade of Shea Weber on June 29th, the retirements of Paul Gostad, Eric Nystrom, and Barrett Jackman. So guys, all of a sudden, younger guys, and, and let's say from the playoffs, they justified the faith that was placed in them, and sometimes they had to. They had no choice. But now let's see uh, how this same group roughly uh, reacts to it all this time around. I'll tell you. It's going to be great to me. I'm, I'll go ahead, Russ. I was going to say, they definitely have more depth this year because now they get Fiala back. Uh, they have guys like Vladislav Hamanev who could come up if there's injury. They had Jack Dougherty on defense who could come up if there's injury. And Tyler Moy. Like, I, I, I know Freddie Goudreau had this magic last year, but I got to tell you, if he doesn't have the magic, I would seriously, I would seriously look at Tyler Moy. I mean, I watched him for Harvard in the East Regional last year, and he was every bit as good as anybody in that tournament. And right now, Anders Bork is probably going to start the year with Boston, and Tyler yeah. Moy was real. It was just as good as Anders Bork. So I think, I think the depth there helps. And look, I think next year Ely Tolvanen will be playing for Nashville. He's almost a point a game. He's eight points in nine games in the KHL, and just because he couldn't make it in college, he dropped in the draft, and Nashville got a bargain there, and Jeff Keatley continues to draft well, and I'll always say he continues to draft well. And so I think these are all things that can I'm telling you, I did not like what I saw in the Stanley Cup. Eck can protect him all he wants and saying, yeah. I like him, and I'm telling you, you guys are wrong. You guys are wrong. But, but this is the backup goalie's job is to come in in any situation and calm things down, and he did the opposite, and that worries me. Pete, back me up here. UC Cyrus was really was, was really good in the regular season. It was actually a reason I was told and from, from people and, and watching it myself was a huge reason that they got out of their slump at the beginning of the year. Yes. Um, you know, he and, was, and he was the guy that allowed Pekka to play less games right. than they normally would have because they had that faith in him. And this is totally, totally against – uh, what you do nowadays. You want a goaltender who's 6'4 plus, and you got UC Saros, who's like 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, and if you followed the Captain Ellis uh, full Twitter page, you've seen the picture of done Civil War style with UC sitting on Pekka's knee as they wear their Confederate uniforms. <laughs> That's hilarious. I well, mean, if, 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 they, if, they wanted, if they wanted uh, if they wanted to post up uh, goaltenders, they could get Anders Lindback to come up and be the. Uh, well, he's here. He's going to play today, baby. Yeah. There you go. So, 22 years old. I mean, it's a 22-year-old goalie in the, in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you're judging him. I think that's. Oh, really rough. I'm sorry. I'm a big. I was a big Soros guy going into last year, but when I saw the difference in him and the fact that he just got lit up, it 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 put something in my head that basically said, you know what, he could be exposed in the right situation and. And that is a tough situation for Nashville to be in. If you're telling me if, if Pekka Rennie went down and you still think Nashville can win the Stanley Cup with UC Soros, I would say you're 
you're completely mistaken. Well, no, I mean, that, that, that's a hard one to say. because well, but that's what you're supposed to be able to do with your backup, technically. And, I, and I, I need Pete to defend, to my point of view, which was which goes counter to the to the host of this program that said that, you know, because he was he said just said that, that Fiala's injury <laughs> – if Fiala's injury was the key, I think that the loss of Ryan Johansson, you're not the number one center who they paid eight million dollars on an extension, was the death knell to them winning the Stanley Cup. That they they were able to beat Anaheim, but because because Gibson got hurt and Jonathan Bernier was a subpar goaltender in the playoffs, but. Against Pittsburgh, you needed Johansson to go up against either Malkin or Crosby, and because you didn't have that, I thought they were pl- they were playing with a, a hand tied behind their back. Now, if if Johansson stays healthy, Pete, I think he's worth that eight million dollars a year. I do too. I do too, and I, I do. But I, but I do think, as far as the playoffs were concerned, the combination of those injuries. Yeah, that my was Lord. It. That yeah. was that was the problem. So so Sissons became number one line center. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you have Pontus Auberg comes in, scores a huge goal in game right. five in Anaheim for the for the game winner in that one. There are a lot of people being put into places they would not normally have been put into. No, and McLeod. I mean, McLeod played enormous enormous role. I mean, and yes. I can tell Harry Zolderchuk. He was a Laviolette guy. You could tell, like you could tell, McLeod's yeah. the kind of guy that's going to be fighting for a roster spot. You but know, Harry like, Z had played in that situation before with Philly in the playoffs yeah. with. Yeah. So Laviolette, so there was some familiarity there. We saw right. Harry Z's flyer shirt the other night, Russ. Remember that? Yes, we saw and that. Harry Z, is, Harry Z is here today on a PTO with Florida. <laughs> there you go. There's, that's the Philadelphia connection. There's a lot of Philadelphia people down in Florida right now. Um, that yeah. So I don't know. To me, and, and McLeod, and of course, you know Salamaki. These are guys that really came in, and I think it's going to battle for that fourth line is crazy. I think well, that that team has a the battle for. Third and fourth line has you know players who are actually heroes. I thought Benino was the perf was the this is the best forward that I think the Predators have signed for what they need in several years as a free agent. This is this is I the guy. I, I'm going to say with God, Paul Gostad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is yeah, a defensive guy and a faceoff guy. Better than the Peter Forsberg signing or trade, I should say. Pete, the, the one the one concern, you know, we don't know how long Ellis is going to be out. We know how valuable Ellis was in the playoffs last year. They bring in Emelin. I've watched Emelin play for years. I hate the way he plays because he's because he's a cheap shot artist. But he he can eat up minutes. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the the panic in Nashville is should be quelled a little bit by them having Emelin there to step in for Ellis for at least the first few months. What do you think? Guys, what I had to do, I'm sorry, my, my microphone kicked out there. Do you have me? Yeah, yeah we have you. Okay, you got me now? All right, and I guess my uh, my speaker now is coming through so we can have all questions of uh, feedback or foldback and all of that. You sounded fine. You sounded fine. We're, we're, but, we're okay. Uh, my, my, my question was regarding Emelyn with, with Ellis being out. Um, you know, I there has to be a situation in, in Nashville now that even though Ellis is hurt, having Emelyn there to step in as the number four defenseman, you know, they, they they probably would have been in a panic if Emelin wasn't there, but he's capable of filling a top four role, at least for a short time. Yeah, that was the whole idea. Yeah. Uh, not knowing even before uh, Ryan Ellis had his surgery uh, that they needed to have some sort of insurance that way. Just yeah. like the old insurance we used to have when I was a kid and my parents would take me to Chicago Stadium and we were leaving. You know, auto insurance was invented there. 
because yeah. when you left the parking lot by Chicago Stadium, a kid would be holding a brick in his hand, tossing it up and down and say, watch your car for five bucks, mister. Well, I think that was uh, pretty much the same approach. So Evelyn's like a kid with a brick saying, I watch your car. I get it. I like it. <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting because when they did the MLN thing, it really spurred on the Duchesne Rivers, and we'll get to that for to, to end this thing. But um, the it really spurred on the Duchesne Rivers because they were getting no defensemen. When in actuality, when I talked to people, it was much more about the fact that that they knew they had a really good feeling they'd also be out this long back then. Yes, I will say this. I mean, the the Ellis injury is a break for Matt Irwin, who literally was just like an extra guy last year that worked his way in, and a couple, you know, and was a big thing big player for them and now this year with all the signings he probably wasn't going to have a spot and now he has a spot he was the guy they plugged in last year when they needed to do just that yep. he came to camp did not make the team out of camp he got sent to milwaukee wow. but there was an early season incidence of uh, what it call illness running through the team food poisoning whatever oh my gosh yeah I remember that Detroit. The team plays in Detroit and across the ice of the Joe, I'm looking at guys constantly leaving the Predators bench <laughs> the dressing room. And then the flight back home was kind of like Hollywood nights. And so then that next night, you got the Pittsburgh Penguins in here waiting to play the Predators. They had to call five guys up from Milwaukee to play. Pecorine was dressed as the backup only because they couldn't get anybody else. To, they didn't have that uh, backup goaltender tryout camp here. So he had to do that. And that was when Matt Irwin won back a job for himself. And for that matter, Austin Watson, who played a pretty big role for the team down the stretch. That's an amazing thing. I mean, they really have drafted well. I mean, they really have. The, the, the bottom line is they, they, they have great role players. And now they have, for the first time, way more offense than they've ever had before. Because, I mean, you're also taking at the, the – Ar Victor Arvidsson sort of also came into his own as the year went on last yeah. year. And is, is really a, a unique player. And I, I think a, I think a really underrated player on, on in the NHL right now. I think Victor Arvidsson will be – Will become much a much bigger factor. If we were if we had an Olympics next year, Victor Robertson would have been a big factor in that. You would have seen a lot of that as well. Yeah, lithium ion powered bunny. Yeah, <laughs> does not slow down. No, um, it's it's definitely an exciting team. The return of Scott Hartnell is is fun um, in a lot of ways. I'm sure for you guys because you know his original original Predator, a captain of the Predators. Is he signed just to a one year deal, Pete? Yes. Yeah. After his buyout uh, from Columbus. Right. Yeah. Because I have a feeling like. They won't need him next year. That, that's just my feeling. So it's good for them this year, though. I mean, he was the first Predators player, and actually yeah. until Seth Jones, the only one who made the club out of camp his draft year. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, and he, even when he was in Philly, we would I would often talk to him about how much he loved Nashville. That was a big deal for him and uh, the whole time. So I knew if he ever had a chance to go back there, he would. And um, he, I know he hoped to get traded there a couple times last year. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely – I think that's going to be fun. I mean, when I think of all the great things last year, the, how much more fun the, the playoff run would have been with Scotty Hartnell around too, because he is the he is your epitome of your playoff guy. Yep. He's, he's great for a long playoff run. He will score key goals too. He still has that in him, and he didn't have a bad year at all. No. Like, no. I know Columbus was. I, I talked to Columbus about, oh, you're going to buy out Hartnell, and the first response that was really should we buy? That, uh, there was a point at which they were not sure they were going to do that because he had such a good year that why would we buy him out? You know, basically, his contract wasn't too bad at that point, and he was still producing goals. So he he won't he won't score as much as James Neal, but for a million dollar salary, you're getting a bang for your buck in terms of. I mean, he could score fifteen to maybe even twenty on a really good year, depending on who he plays with. And if you can't complain if you get that kind of production out of a guy who's making a million bucks. 
I think he will be the net front presence on the first power play unit. Yeah. And uh, something he sort of learned while playing here with Paul Correa. Oh, yeah. Go to the front of the net, put your stick down, and who knows, I might hit it every now and then. <laughs> you got to get the Hardnell Falls thing going on there, and, and that was a great thing in, um, yeah. in Philly. Hardnell down, yeah. Hardnell down, Hardnell down, right, which was the down yeah. thing. Every time he fell, every time he was down on the ice, he, felt he would donate money to Down Syndrome, which was great because Hardnell yeah. on the ice a lot. That's just the kind of guy he is, though, and it's a really cool thing. He, um, I think he'll have a, I think he'll have a big re revival there. He's good again. in the room, he is. Yeah. Great in the room, he is. And Laviolette, you know, obviously Laviolette knows him and likes him and has spent time with him in Philly, too. And Laviolette is another one who I, I think the beginning of last year I was wondering, okay, has Laviolette done his, you know, expiration date? And now, of course, you know, no one's talking about expiration dates with Laviolette. We, we, need, to, we need to make well, a prediction. Well, another year or two, Eck. I mean, this is still Peter Laviolette, and it still could crop in, crop up. Yeah, but this team keeps getting stronger is the thing. I know, I, but it has I, nothing to do with the team. Last time when yeah. Laviolette went, it had nothing to do with the team. I don't know. I, I I'm telling you. I think it had a little to do with the team. <laughs> um, okay, so um, anyway, we'll can let's move on to our predictions so we can get let Pete go. Thanks so much, again. guys. Is it okay if I go now? Because I've got to go downstairs. Yeah, you go down. no I shouldn't make a prediction anyway because that wouldn't be right. Yep. See you, Pete. Thank, Thank you, you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That's Pete Weber from Nashville. Inject him out of there. You're gone, Pete. Bye. All right. <laughs> All right. So um. Okay, right, the predators. Um, this is a tough one to predict. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with. I'll, I think that the Preds are going to be fighting with Chicago for either third or that wild card. Um, I, I think they're going to get off to a little bit of a slow start because of the Stanley Cup hangover. But I, I you know, the Benino, the Benino, Benino addition is good, but they lose Fisher, and Fisher was an integral part of that team. Um, I think they'll make the playoffs, but I think it could be third. It could be wild card. So I think they're right there with Chicago. But I think they, they're probably better than Chicago because Chicago's got a lot more questions. I think they're better in Chicago. I think they come in third. I think they would can get as far as the conference finals, but then I think they would lose. I don't think they're making it to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think that they're, they're going to be a playoff team. I'm not sure where. They could be anywhere from second to fourth. Um, yeah. in my mind they really that division is so tight it could finish any which way they are a playoff team and, and how they finish probably depends on how healthy they stay you know um, but if they manage to stay healthy they make the playoffs and once they make the playoffs I, I do believe that this team I said before is, is like is like the Los Angeles Kings now for this for this conference the team that no one wants to play and the team that could really yeah. oh, no doubt yeah I agree with that cause all kinds of issues you know and um, and I just heard you know for just fun's sake, want them to go back to Stanley Cup final in the worst way. Oh, we, the, the thing that's a real thing, though, is we have to see if, and this is something where in year two of Laviolette after the Cup, certain guys' magic wore off for the Flyers. Right. You know? And we have to see if Freddie Goudreau still has his magic. We have to see, like, these are players that weren't expected to do anything. We'll see if they continue to do something. Um, who was the guy that the Sabres signed that was great with the Flyers? And Billy Leno. Billy Leno was one yeah. of those guys. He had yeah, a short. Leno was definitely that guy. Um, Leno was that guy. Um, Van, Van Riemsdyk. Van Riemsdyk had a big year in 2010. Van Riemsdyk was a great playoff player always. Um, but he's still a good player. Um, who was Colton the guy? Who got... was the guy I have to look at with this team. I mean, Colton Sissons was so good. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and he he was just and you know obviously a lot of that had to do with ice time, but. But, you know, he did come up with, I mean, scoring a hat-trick for Grant Loud. Look, I don't think Colton Sissons will score like that, but I, I, I feel he's an NHLer. Austin Watson is definitely a guy who's on the, on the, you know, on the edge, on the bubble of being one as full-time or not. Like, I think, 
I think a few of those, they have a few of those guys and the Flyers had some of those guys returning from 2010 too. And, and so now we have to see what Laviolette does with them because that's, that's going to be a key thing. I'm going to be, I I do think the loss um, of um, Fisher, Mike Fisher. No, not Fisher. I'll talk about Fisher first. I think the Fisher for Benino trade is a win, 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 win. I mean, as good as Fisher was for in the locker room, Benino is a is a much better player right now. Yeah, but we don't know how much the team relied on Fisher mentally. That's the thing. So now Yossi's the captain, yeah. so that sort of helps deflect that. Yeah. But Fisher was a big motivating guy for their whole cup run. He I think was. you're right. I think Hartnell steps in and can become that guy. Maybe. And Benino yeah. can then, you know, and then Benino really, but Benino comes in and just does more stuff. Like he, oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. He kills penalties. He scores. Fisher's killed penalties too, but Benino wins faceoffs. He gets in there and he, yes. he's, he was a really, he was my favorite forward that was available uh, this in this in this free agent market. And I just think that he, you know, and I think Pittsburgh is really going to hurt from losing him. I think this is the player that Pittsburgh they will, hurt. They will definitely hurt. Well, you you can't afford a four million dollar player as a number three center. They 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 right. were paying they were paying Benino less than two no, million dollars. They had to they had to lose him, but they will feel it because he was somebody that they they depended a lot of minutes on, a lot of key moments, and he was a real stabilizing force. Now now, now the question is whether Benino and if, unless I'm mistaken, Russ, he's going to be the number two in Nashville behind Johansson. Right. Um, you know, there's a big difference between the matchups you get as a number three center. And the matchups you get as a number two center, so that yeah. that's going to be a bigger, bigger, uh, a, 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 you know, tough. And the Eastern and Western Conference too, you know, yeah, like that. Yeah, no question. That makes a big difference. I mean, I think there, you know, there's a, there's, I think there are deeper centers. Would you say centers are deeper in the East or centers deeper in the West? I guess I'd have to really look at that one, but I think that, you know, yeah, I think the good thing about this though is the de- defense that Panino is looking back on here is way better than the defense that he was looking back with the Penguins. I mean, this is a this is a stronger defense in general. Um, it is a stronger defense in general, but it still doesn't change the matchups. It's one of those things where, look, we, we've looked at Sean Couturier, and he can't get to that second center spot. He's perfect as the third center. There are some guys when they make the jump yeah. to the second spot that just can't cut it. It is possible. And it's possible that Sissons does become the second-line center. It is possible that yeah. that happens too. I mean, even though yeah. they paid all that money. I mean, this is a team that is really in good shape. And right now is prime because they have some guys on entry level contracts that are playing big roles. You know, that's like yeah. that's a big. This is a big time for them as far as that goes. Um, you know, not necessarily. I mean, Matt Irwin still is, I guess, technically on an entry level contract. Yeah, I think but, he's um, still on an entry level. But you also have yeah. Uh, no, you know what? No, he's on a he will. Well, he's he, making six hundred fifty thousand dollars. So. Yeah, he's a UFA after this year, so maybe he is on his last year of his entry. Yeah. Although so, it says free agent on here, so I don't know. Right. Oh, who we're talking about? Sorry. Matt Irwin. No, he's he's older, so he's a, he's a he's had a really cheap contract. Yeah, but I thought he got into the league late, but he may have signed a two year entry level. Yeah, no, he 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 went through his entry level in San Jose, so he's he did? Okay. On, on one like one year deals. That's significant, and depending on how many you know how many players you really consider on as as your top twelve, you know, if Salamaki slips in there, you could have five. Um. You know, I think Cody McLeod will be a bigger player than people expect because I, I that's definitely the kind of guy the Predators have gotten. They need they need size. They do need size to get through the Western Conference. I, I think he'll be he'll be veteran a veteran fourth line yeah. enforcing presence, but I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to be a big factor now. Yeah, this this team this team is going to go as far as Forsberg and Johansson and Fiala when he gets back takes them. They, those are those are the main offensive. 
guys. And if you get secondary offense from the Hartnells and a few other players, then you're going to be pretty decent. But I think it's going to it's going to be most and, and obviously Yossi and, and Subban on defense. Right, right. I would be um, I wouldn't be totally shocked to see James Neal return to this team at some point. Um, maybe at the de- maybe at the deadline. You never yeah. know. Yeah, at the deadline. I mean, I think that because when they made this, when they when they let him go, there was definitely a you know they no one wanted to do that. First off, secondly, they were doing it. Their their excuse I heard was to protect Yarncrock. They were worried that Yarncrock was going to go. Um, instead, that was a strange move. I thought because Yarncrock is a good player, but he's you know. He's. I, I thought that it almost implied that they felt like they could get James Neal back. Not necessarily even at the deadline, but maybe. Well, I think the reason that they were worried about Yarncroke is because he signed for another five years at two million bucks. Yeah, so he's really cheap. He's but a they, he's a cost-effective player. Yeah, he is, and he is. But I, I think that you know, who knows what they talked to with with Vegas? You know, like they could have said, okay, you can yeah. you can take this guy. We'll we'll make a move for you and get him back. Or you know, he's a UFA after this year, and and. That's possible. Yeah. But before we get to the Duchesne talk, there was a couple of things that came out yesterday that uh, and and in the games that are worthy of mentioning. Uh, the Miko Koivu uh, extension in Minnesota. Yep. He two, they extend him. He was he would have been a UFA next summer. Uh, I believe he's I believe he's thirty three or thirty four years old. I, I I'd have to look up the age, but I think he's close to that, Russ. But they yeah. give him a two they give him a two year deal, eleven million total, so five point five AAV. I think he had a, he had around 50 points last year. He's still a quality two-way player. He's always a a nominee for best defensive forward in the league, or you know he's always up there. Um, I think his offense will drop off, but he's still going to be a really effective defender and probably will score 15 15 goals, 30 assists. So I don't see this as a bad signing. No, no, it's a good signing. I, I think it's money well spent. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I, I mean, it's two years is perfect. Yeah, now injuries last night, the one I watched, uh, Colin White, who is a very good prospect for the Ottawa Senators, uh, played on the World Junior Team for Team USA uh, last year. Uh, late in the third period, blocks a shot from Collie Rosen, the Leafs rookie defenseman. Uh, Pierre Dorian, the general manager of the Senators, came out this morning and said a broken wrist out six to eight weeks. Uh, you know, Russ, Senators, I mean, this is a loss because I think he would have made the team. Oh, he definitely would have made the team. And they're without Carlson, and Carlson has not even skated yet. So you're talking, you know, and conservatively, I'd say at least the first few weeks of the season, maybe the first month of the season. And if you're without one of your promising rookie scores and without the guy who plays 30 minutes a night, it might be challenging for the Senators to score goals next the yeah, early he, part of the season. He could have been a Calder candidate. Like he, yeah. this is a big loss. He could have scored like 45, 50 points in his rookie year for them, which would be huge. This is big. I do have breaking news on Jaromir Yager. Okay. Um, and this is probably what we thought, but now he's come out and said it. And I don't think he's helping his case. He said, this is on him signing a tryout. I'm not going to go for it. It's funny we talk about it. After 25 years, they know what kind of player I am. But you know what? When you are bristly like that, teams still don't care who you are or what you did before. Yeah. This is not like Guy Lafleur just walking on to the Quebec Nordiques or even the New York Rangers before that because it's Guy Lafleur and it worked out, right? Yeah. But, but this right. is different. It's the, the league changes every year. Sometimes teams want to see you. Sometimes you have to, if you want to continue on as an older player, you have to go with it. 
he's only going to get a contract, Russ, if he goes to the Olympics for the Czech Republic, if he plays either in, in Czech or if he plays in the KHL and then goes to the Olympics and looks like he can still contribute. And then that day after the Olympics are over with, which is the trade deadline, he signs a one-year deal prorated with somebody. I think that's realistic. I don't think there's anybody who's going to sign up for him on an 82-game schedule based on what he's going to expect in terms of ice time. He's going to expect to be on a, on a second or third line, and I don't know if he can play that anymore. Maybe, maybe, maybe he can, but he had over 40 points last year, but I don't know if there's going to be a team out there willing to give that much ice time to a 45-year-old guy. Well, the KHL is saying they're very interested in him. So it wouldn't shock me if he goes there and then to the Olympics and then back to the NHL. Yeah, that's what I think would happen. KHL, Olympics, NHL in that order. I think, And I think an NHL team would look at him and say, we'd rather actually bring him in then. You know, like you'd rather, yeah. you'd rather bring him in at that point, not just for money, but just for the sake of let him, let him not get worn out. I mean, he has shown – I think the one thing he has shown is really good beginnings of the seasons. Like even last year, Falara, he came out strong. He always comes out strong. Um, but he does get he does seem to get tired and he has not been great in the playoffs. It's just been the bottom line with him, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's a good that's interesting. I don't think I don't think he should take a tryout though. If I'm him, I wouldn't do it either. Just because I know what you're saying, Russ, but at the same time I think somebody will get desperate enough at some point with I don't think so. I think yeah. I think we have gotten to the point where they do need to see what he is. He was not impressive last year. He died at the second half of the season. I think they need to see it again. I really do. Maybe, maybe. Uh, the the other in, the other injury that was notable, Andy Strickland, our, our friend, uh, has reported that Jay Bowmeister yeah. uh, had broke his ankle. Uh, in three weeks, it'll be reevaluated. But usually, a broken ankle is like a six, seven yeah, weekend. Somebody injury. in my house had a broken ankle, and it four weeks is the bare minimum. Even if you got into the uh, the decompression chamber right. weeks is the bare that minimum. I didn't have to skate every day. Yeah, for so, bones and heel, for bones so and heel, it, it takes four weeks. Now the skate does give him an advantage, Eck, because like walking around is actually going to be harder to than to skate. So I think there is a chance that in five weeks he could be back. So we're talking early mid November. Yeah, that's best wow. case. And yeah, with, I mean, that's, a big, that's a big loss, but at the same time, they can. I mean, they can. They can withstand that one. Well, most that they they don't have Shattenkirk anymore, so that no, brings you down, that brings you down to Peter right. Angelo and, and Pareko as your top two, and that means giving a lot more ice time to guys like Carl Gunnarsson. So it's like I, I this this could be it hurts. Really, it's hurt. it hurts, but they've got they've got so much depth. I mean, Carl Gunnarsson. No, but this is a lot of minutes. Like this is yeah, depth is one thing. But Bo Meester was a huge minutes guy. I'm going to look up his minutes now. And and I think this is – yeah, his time on the ice on the average is 22 minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah, and he paired, and he paired with Peter Angelo. So you're, ta you're talking more ice time for Gunnarsson, for Bertuzzo, for Joel Edmondson. Yeah. You know, may, maybe, maybe a guy like uh, a Jordan Schmaltz comes up and plays. I mean – there, there are players. There are players there, but you're, you're you're talking right now about a guy who's probably one of your main penalty killers, possibly plays on the power play. It's a it's a big loss. No, it's it's a big loss. It's a big. I'm not saying. I mean, he's, he's here's like as an example. Carl Gunnarsson last year played 13 minutes. He did play with Toronto 21 minutes, and Mike would probably say that was too much. Yeah, he played. He was he was the de facto de facto pairing with Dion Phaneuf, that rotating, you know, 
guys like Mike Koska, you know, Gunnarsson was the best of a bad lot. So he's so not we'll a top. Back to 17 minutes like the year before, and then other guys will have to pick up the slack. But I do think it's a factor. I do. Yep. Yep. Um, now, also, uh, before we get out of here, um, Matt Duchesne, we're going to do some YouTube questions tomorrow. So feel free to, like, throw on your um, – if, you if you have a question, throw it in the comments. Yeah, throw it in um, and below the video, um, we'll open up the chat room tomorrow too. We'll do more of the chat room tomorrow um, as well. I think tomorrow will just be Mike and I, um, and we won't be doing any um, any teams tomorrow necessarily. So we'll be doing that, and uh, and then be able to join in. Depends on okay, you know, where cool. I am at that time of the day. So Thursday, Thursday will be the day we don't have. Thursday right. we the show um, for the holidays. So oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back on Friday. Um, but uh, there were some there were some funny questions, including why hockey girl out there why why asking why I hate the Blackhawks so much. I will get into that tomorrow. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with why you think I hate the Blackhawks. Nothing to do with 2010 at all. By the way, it has nothing to do with that at all. I don't really have an issue with 2010. They were the better team. The Flyers were lucky to be in that series. The, the way it ended was crazy, but they were the better team. Now there's plenty of other reasons, but we'll talk about that later. Um, all right. So Matt Duchesne briefly here. Uh, came out yesterday and said he's on a day to day to day to day with uh, the Colorado Avalanche. He's living it, you know. He's just there to play hockey and for the fans and for his teammates, saying all the right things, I guess. Mm -hmm. Quasi right things, um, you know, depending on who you who you want to be right to. Um, but but you know the uh, the rumors came out yesterday, and we didn't mention this with Pete because it seems ridiculous that some players were actually hearing the rumor, and I heard this too, but I didn't think anything of it. Um, Elliot Freeman wrote that the PK Subban from Matt Duchesne trade rumors, um, which were absolutely never the case um, at all. The PK Subban would have been traded for Matthew Shane. But now um, there is a, there is an instance, it seems like, where he's where Sackick is, is changing his asking price, and perhaps we'll see something happen. And the latest one, again, I heard, which I heard before, and I brought it up again, but it's coming back around again, is Jacob Truba for Matthew Shane, um, which is, uh, you know, one, I, I seem to be the only person who's hearing this one. So for whatever it's worth, I, I think that, Winnipeg will ha would have to make another deal to pick up a defenseman from somewhere to fill in Jacob Truba's role. That, that's, Matthew Shane would give them a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with this, especially with the fact that if you look at Winnipeg right now with them re-signing a little, they're, they're so stacked at forward. They, I just don't see the need to add Matt Duchesne. You have to be stacked at forward to win in that position, though. That's the bottom line. Like, you have to be. No, I, I get that, and I agree with that, but I'm saying they're already stacked at forward. I think their defense, even with Truba, is their weak spot. I mean, the goaltending, you know, maybe Mason fills up, fills the gap, and, and him and Hullabuck are a good one-two punch. But right now, Enstrom is getting older. Tyler, question, mark, question marks with Tyler Myers. Bufflin, we always know that Bufflin defensively is a disaster. He's just a really good offensive defenseman and, and physical Truba is the one stabilizing force in terms of being a, de a defenseman uh, on that blue line. I, I can't see them giving him up for unless they get a defenseman back in the deal, and I, I don't see that happening. And uh, yeah, see, the thing is, they could have done this if Josh Morrissey had has had developed already, but he hasn't developed yet, and right. that's the guy they expected to develop. And so while they're waiting on him, it will be hard to to trade Truba and make the playoffs defensively. It would be. I, I, I mean, depends on how good Tyler Myers is. I think um, that's what it comes down to. You're right about that. I mean, Tyler Myers—they played without basically last year. You know, without him for the most yeah. part. And um, if he's back healthy, you know, that's that. And you you, you lose Truba, you're not losing the trade-off between Myers and Truba is not that large. I don't think. No, that but is. you know, the one more year 
of of Morrissey makes a big difference to oh yeah no it does, it does. Trooper down the road and he's you know you go out there and you get somebody you could go out there and get somebody who can fill yeah. that spot for a year you know and yeah. and you can but you can also pick up Matt Shane and there is I do think that people can't underestimate the that there is a little bit of a desperation in Winnipeg to do something this year like I think I've I've noticed this when throughout the throughout the first time in Shevelday's tenure that I felt that when I've talked to people that Winnipeg is trying to do something that they realize they have to not just make the playoffs, but actually make an impact in the playoffs. That's their thinking. So no, I think, I think they're, the thinking's right. I just, I still don't think Matt Duchesne's going anywhere right now. I just don't. Yeah. And, and, and another, another determining factor in this deal is whether Dmitry Kulikov comes back from the defenseman he was a couple of years ago right. when he played well with Florida. Uh, he was he was terrible in Buffalo. He was injured in Buffalo. If he comes back and he plays as as a, as a top four defenseman, then maybe they can jettison the problem that tr- they've had with Truba in terms of getting a getting to sign a long term deal, and maybe they can do that deal. But again, I still think that if they trade Truba, they got to be getting a defenseman, either somebody who's good right now or a prospect that they are guaranteed that will be a good defenseman coming back in that deal. And I, I just don't see it in, in a Duchesne deal. It's more of a one-for-one. One. I think the odds of playing four zeros in the Michigan lottery and winning were better than having Kulikov come back and be a top-four defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> well, time will tell. Uh, we're out of time, by the way. Um, guys, um, we'll be back again tomorrow. Mike and I will be back. Check for the times. We're not exactly sure on the time. Dip. Probably 1 o'clock-ish, but we'll see. Um, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you then.